Hello and welcome to episode 186 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybach, and joining me this evening is my lovely co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am doing uh, wonderfully. I'm having Very a good. busy week out of game, and it's nice to sit down and just be a noodle and talk about a guild war. <laughs> talk about a war of guilds. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is our big patch that we've been looking forward to for quite some time, especially since the last podcast... Uh, couple weeks ago so in case anybody's living under a rock uh it's been the uh release of living story season three or the first episode so to speak and i think by this time everybody's probably at least played through the story so i mean fair warning there's going to be some story spoilers but uh you know there's there's not all that much to to spoil so i don't know when exactly we're going to get around to that but I guess as we sort of predicted last time, there was a lot of stuff in this patch. Judging, you know, we had sort of predicted that based on the fur or the previous seasonal patch, and yeah, there was there was a lot, a lot of stuff that got done, and we didn't really have any <clears throat> inclination of what any of it was going to be. So, is there anything anything you want to talk about first, right off the bat? Um, shall we just go for the very pinnacle quality of life change for this patch first uh-huh and that would be uh auto salvage it is so beautiful like i can't even i'm so i can't even <laughs> form a full sentence it's so good like it is the greatest thing that this game has always needed and my inventory thanks me my cows thank me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great, especially in conjunction with one of the infinite salvage tool bundles, uh, one or both, which now that I think about it, that probably is enough to prompt me to go and get one of those, um, what is it, silver salvage the mm -hmm. the better one. Yeah, I have yep. the copper one, but I just never really felt it was that worth it to get the silver one. But man, such savings of time. Yeah, I got, I got both in a bundle. A while ago, I didn't have either one, and they were both on sale in a bundle, and I was like, hmm, I think I'll invest in that, and I am so glad I did. Yeah, it's so legit. Like, yeah, there, I mean, there's really nothing to say about it, because everybody's seen it by now. If you haven't somehow seen it, you right-click on a salvage kit, and you can salvage all of any given rarity, rare or belower, uh, or belower, rare or below slash lower, uh, which just... <sighs> makes it makes getting bags of it makes bagception tolerable, which is impressive. So yeah, that's been great. Yeah, I'm just I'm just still so happy about that. Um, we have let's see, have there been any other like major quality of life fixes this patch, or was it mostly centered around balance fixes and story and the new map? Um. There were a handful of quality of life things that have already been so well integrated that I think I've forgotten them already. I know, uh, you know, me being a writer, one of the big ones is the um, slash resign. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the slash resign slash what GG also yeah. works. So if you're in a raid and something goes horribly, horribly wrong and you just want to reset it, uh, you don't have to, you know, gather your guildmates up and all stand on top of each other with time bombs anymore or whatever. Uh, you know, it's you just type in the command, it uses your finisher on you, which is cool, another PvE use for your finishers, so you have sort of a, an incentive to work on those things if you want to look cool while you're dying in raids. Or buy um, a cool one. If it's, yeah. In, you know. 
Pro tip, uh, a lot of the old ones that used to be on the gem store are now on the trading post for like 10 to 20 gold. So really? you that is a good look pro tip. into that. Yeah. And you can also randomize your finisher if you want to be surprised every time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, that is a good one. Also, along that same vein, uh, hearkening back to Guild Wars 1, they also finally hooked up animations to a bunch of the slash commands. I could not tell you a single one of them that they did it for, but... In Guild Wars 1, there used to be a lot more uh, slash command emotes, and they it was clear that they used the same underlying system between the two in so far as, or the database, because those commands actually s- responded differently than nonsense commands in Guild Wars 2. So there were ones that didn't have any animation hooked up to the emotes, but if you typed them in would respond in your chat box the same way that typing in a valid emote would, whereas if you type in, you know, garbage, it just says unknown command. So it knew that those were commands, there just wasn't anything on them. And they hooked up, uh, I don't know if they hooked up all of them, but they hooked up quite a few of them. And a lot of, or all of them were things that NPCs could use. So sort of like the animation framework was already done. So anyway, mm-hmm. that that was nice to just see some of those come back. And it feels like this is a patch where the last one was sort of fixing a lot of things that were not quite finished right in Heart of Thorns. And this was fixing or cleaning up a lot of things that have been problems or just seem to have been overlooked since release. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. So all those all those things, little or big, are all appreciated. But yeah, so do you want to talk about the map or the story first? I mean, technically, if we did it in order, the map would be in the middle of the story. Sure, sure. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, why don't you, because you love Norn, why don't you talk about the start of the story? Because that is, uh, you know, Norn Norn adjacent. Yes. Um, So... Here is your extra, extra warning that if you don't want anything spoiled in the story, we're going to talk about it now. And there's some Norns. <laughs> or it's there were some great. Norns. Because they're dead. Um, yes. <laughs> it took me a while to catch on, and I was like, oh. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, so uh, in, in the middle of the Heart of Thorns story, we lost um, a character who has been central to the series since the beginning um and that was air and so finally now that you know the main threat has been dealt with uh we're in a position to mourn her i guess so there's uh the first instance is a memorial service um i'm trying to think about what to say about it i really liked the dialogue when you we first walk in and you see ritlock there and he's telling the story of how Air killed someone. I don't remember who it is, but someone pointed out that it might have been an Edge of Destiny, uh, which w- I did own at one point and was uh, violently thrown into a pool by a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> so I haven't read it again. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read uh, it in years now at this point. Yeah, so I don't remember the exact story with that. But the uh, one of the kids nearby says, oh my god, you're that revenant, Ritlock Trombone. He was like, yes, I'm Uncle Trombo, not Buzz Off. And that was my favorite line in the whole everything. That was pretty good. Uh, what else? Um, oh, uh, another loose end from Heart of Thorns wrapping up. 
a Garm has come back to us. Yes. A lot of people missed Garm, and I am so glad he's back. Um, I don't know if he'll continue to have any significance in the story, or if this is sort of where his arc ends. I don't know. Like, it's cool that he's back. I have to think if they brought him back, then, you know, he's still got something to do. But it's, it's sort of weird. He's just a wolf now without anyone really directing him. Um, Christian and I, in some super heartbreak moments while he was going through it for the first time, speculated about uh, a new Revenant Elite spec possibly being uh, air. Being air? Oh, oh, like, as in, like, right, because the, cause the specs are spirit. based on spirit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which would be super sad. That would be sad, but really cool, because yeah. that would also tie in really well with how, at least for some of the professions, or the specializations, that is, they sort of tied them into the living story preceding it, where, you know, Marjorie lost her sister and then sort of took up her greatsword and the necromancers ended up with greatswords and um, Bram was sort of taking after his mother so to speak sort of who you know being a ranger used a bow and you know then you got dragon hunters who used bows so that would be a really cool opportunity to tie that in with Bram and or possibly uh, Garm in you know if if that Mm -hmm. were to be a thing somehow which would be yeah we yeah we also speculated about um brahm hasn't uh become a dragon hunter i don't think in the course of the story he's taken air's bow um but while marjorie sort of picked up belinda's greatsword and was using it uh brahm hasn't done that yet and actually he was he was conspicuously absent in this story uh the your character says he's off in the mountains working it off like ram does uh so it could. We also think that he's probably going through a profession transformation of sorts. Yeah. Um, which could, uh, you know, this being Living Story three and having seen Living Story two foreshadow Elite Specs for uh, expansion one. Living Story could be foreshadowing Elite Specs for expansion two, and it could be that uh, you know Bram is not going to become a dragon hunter, um, but something else entirely. Yeah. Uh, which could be cool. Also, uh, we haven't seen in Guild Wars 2, but we have seen in Guild Wars 1, uh, characters actually just change professions entirely, not just, um, you know, join and, you know, have an elite spec. Like, they actually completely go, uh, the, the character I'm thinking about, for those of you who know, is, is Kieran, who started as a ranger and became a paragon, or do I have that backwards? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Okay, I'm pretty remember. sure I'm right, but I might have it backwards. It was those two, and I don't remember which two. No, I know I'm right. I know I'm right, because I played the Hearts of the North or whatever. So did I, but I still don't remember it. I don't remember that exact detail. I remember there was Kieran's bow that was put into game yes. at some point. And I was able to solo uh, Rot Scale, who was eternally a dick to me prior to that mission pack. <laughs> and it felt good. Yeah. Anyway. But yes, we've had precedent before of people full on changing their uh full on changing their professions before. But I have a feeling that if they were gonna do that foreshadowing that you had it right the first time, that they will um do that more for a specialization because it it just it just fits so so neatly and I kind of doubt that we're gonna get another extra profession. I think that nine sort of rounded it off well and mm-hmm. so you know, I, I think it would be more likely that they would just use it as a chance to sort of advertise slash foreshadow their the new 
specialization if they do that at all. But it's cool mm-hmm. when they do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the instance of the memorial. There were a lot of ways that you could sort of honor Air's memory, and you don't have to do all of them. I actually found one or two my second time playing through it that I had just completely missed uh, the first time, which felt pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like that kind of stuff where you can you sort of have some options in the things that you want to do and you know, how your character personally does some of those things. And they, they put in some mm-hmm. nice, um, like, air backstory in case you hadn't read the other material, which, uh, but, you know, by talking to one of the NPCs, which I think is great, because that's one of, that's been one of those complaints that a lot of people have had, is that a lot of the time when the lore is not in the game, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of the whole, yeah, I mean, those are products that they're selling in the books and things like that, but... It's really nice when you can actually find out the information about the characters in the game in the game. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I thought that was good. So anyway, so we go to the, the memorial and then after that, you let's see, you talk to do you talk to the general there? Oh, no, you, you do no, the timing that. instance. That's right. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. So at the end of Era's Memorial, after you've had a chance to um, talk to everyone there, there's a lot. Of, it's a really dialogue-heavy instance. Um, but after you've had a, a chance to talk to everyone there, you get a letter from Timey directing you to Rodanovis via Rodasum. And uh, at this point, we can we can see uh, what all blog posts leading up to <laughs> uh, this release are talking about, where. The Asura have in full found uh, Rodanovis and are uh, in the way that Asura do like uh, small children touching everything and <laughs> <laughs> just getting everywhere. That's and so it's true. Awful. <laughs> yeah, they're screwing up all the things, taking credit for all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you do uh, sort of a. Uh, Simon says type puzzle to unlock the area to the to the research or to the like the special the dragon chamber that's what they called it I think um, I actually had a weird problem with that where the first couple times I did it it just like didn't accept that the answer I gave was right which was very odd but in the last couple times I've done it it just it worked fine so I guess that's whatever but did you do the um did you do the extra content thing where you sort of eavesdrop on the other, uh, the other Asura? Yes, that was a really cool. Yeah, that was a really cool way of sort of letting us um, get a lot of perspective on things that had gone on while we weren't there. Um, how other Asura think about Timey, uh, and you know how they how they're all dealing with this sudden burst of information, which is quite cool. Yeah, I thought it was really fun, like eavesdropping, eavesdropping on all these conversations, and mm-hmm. like, oh god, there was some line, wasn't there, where so, like, didn't somebody say something about getting flunted? Yeah, I don't know, but I it sounds right. 
I believe I'm, I'm it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I just remember cracking up about and thinking yeah. I wanted to talk about it on the show, but now it's been a week and I have forgotten exactly what the context went, was. I think they went even slightly more PG than we do. And instead of saying got flunted or like, I call flunt a grump because that's what he is. And we're like, mm, there's some other use that, the words that rhyme with flunt that we'd use. Yeah. Well, flunted is flunted doesn't rhyme with any words directly. <laughs> so I think they did use flunted uh, as a as a verb. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I I liked that. You know, at least some of the other Asura acknowledged that flunt is kind of an idiot and probably not sincere with his. Uh, analysis slash reporting of who came up with what and you know the mm-hmm. time he gets some credit for that that's that's nice because flunt is like flunt is like that prototypical character that you is designed for you to hate them and <laughs> it kind of like taps right into the like cormier Traherne syndrome where you just like you feel like all of the characters accomplishments sort of just got taken credit for by somebody else and flunt was that way although not to the player character so it's nice to have people in world sort of acknowledging that like yeah that's that's what some people think but i know that's garbage i like that Mm -hmm. i did want to ask you did you how did you feel about the handling of the pact commander position slash supreme leader whatever that was called um actually i was really glad we had just talked about this um in response to eric's question mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago i think uh when he said you know how do you feel about characterization in the story and one of the things i said is i don't like this is not consistent with what i feel like my character would do and so when we turned down uh a big packed organization for a smaller guild type organization that resonated really strongly with me. Um, it would have been nice, I think, to have had the choice, or you know, at least some choice in how your character responded to it. But because it was pretty closely aligned with how I felt, uh, it was better for me than I think it might have been for other people. I mean, I yeah, the choice aspect doesn't really particularly bother me, just because of you know time and budget constraints and all that stuff, like that. That would be a huge branch in the story if you are actually the Pact Commander, I feel like. I mean... Yeah, well... Or whatever. What, what yeah, is no, the I didn't, I didn't mean like. There we go. Yeah, I didn't mean like, you know, there's a branch where some characters can take, you know, you can you split off and you are the Pact Marshal, and some characters are, uh, you know, a guild leader. Uh, I meant more, you should have had some choice in handling it that, you know, ultimately resulted in you being a guild leader but maybe um you could have offered to take the job and then something happened where you couldn't take it for some reason but you had that sort of uh option i guess in how you navigated the story despite coming to the same conclusion does that make sense yeah yeah it does i think the thing it did it did bother me a little bit but not so much in the facts or the situation i did like that they sort of basically said like well this is going to be a desk job like you're not going to be able to go out and do adventuring and your character was like well i'm out then Uh, i i I thought that was a good way to handle it especially because that sort of taps into that 
feeling of Traherne not actually being out there doing stuff. And so it's sort of like, well, no, in lore, that's when you're the pack marshal, you're you're the desk jockey. Like you're not you're the one telling people to go do things, but you don't get to go out and do those things, even if you want to. Um, so I was okay with that, but it kind of bothered me because it didn't feel, it felt like uh, General, what is it, Almora, the mm-hmm. the vigil leader. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering her character, but it felt like she was not the right character to be selling me on this. Like, she... It, <sighs> I don't know how to quite put it exactly, but <clears throat> during the whole Vigil storyline, like the whole the whole mood of the Vigil storyline is basically like we are, you know, we're unfalteringly brave and we are, you know, we will be the bastion against, you know, the dark things in the night and we'll we we are the front line and we will take the fight to them and it felt really weird to have the leader of the Vigil just be like yeah, we can't risk you actually going out and fighting. Like, the content of what she said didn't bother me, but, yeah. like, the fact that it was her saying uh, it did bother me. Like, it just felt really weird. I guess. Um, And it was just Almora, wasn't it? It wasn't... Um, It sort of occurred to me when you you said she was the wrong character to be selling you on that. Um, It's interesting that Almora has come to us instead of, you know, your respective order leader. That could have been yeah. cool to bring back some of those that we haven't seen for a very long time. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because I was pretty sure that it was only her. But then again, I think both of my characters that did it were in the Vigil, but I'm not positive. But I th- I think it is only her that, that comes and says it. Um, that would have been a really good opportunity to have maybe all of them convince you, but sort of convince you in different ways. Or like, you know, like if, if Almora was more of the lines that, oh yeah, the the Pact Marshal is is you know a desk jockey and that's that's not what we're about so like you know i you can like maybe if she encouraged you to you know form your own guild and be -hmm. out there doing stuff and then maybe the um order of whispers and or the um derman priory sort of were more encouraging of that and then sort of disappointedly accepted your resignation Mm-hmm. Would have been neat, but yeah, I don't know. It's probably a, it's probably a, probably a minor nitpick, but it it just felt kind of weird coming from <laughs> the leader of the vigil to be like, yeah, you yeah. should totally be a desk jockey, like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I I think that they handled it pretty well, like because that's something that we have been talking about. Like you said, is how are they going to handle <laughs> how are they going to handle some of these you know things like taking over the the pact and such because doing doing pactily ordering people around is not particularly compelling gameplay so yeah but anyway uh so after that we get taken to the new map which is an old map that is doesn't really look like the old map at all but <laughs> for reasons uh which is bloodstone fen which is uh was a cool map in guild wars one uh do you want to talk about the cutscene a little bit also if it ties into raids that i haven't done Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure how it ties into raids, but essentially, uh, you, at the, at the end of the Rada Novus instance, you meet up with Kanak, who is in the jungle looking for, um, Codicus, uh, who has apparently, uh, quote unquote, left the queen's protective custody recently. And so Anissa has sent him to track him down. And despite the fact that, uh, 
he has been asked to bring him back unharmed, you know, except in dire circumstances. Uh, Kanak seems to be hoping for the dire circumstances, uh, yeah. which I thought was quite, quite good or interesting on his part anyway. Uh, so yeah. Elmora offers you a ride on the airship up to the thing, which is the cutscene, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So as you're going in, you're, you're heading north into the jungle with Elmora on the airship. And there's a magical storm of sorts. Uh, and at the center of the magical storm, there's a huge explosion which, which radiates outward. And right as it's about to hit you, sort of, it implodes and goes all the way back in. And your ship is damaged, but for the large part, you're unharmed. Which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very... Uh, awesome cutscene i guess though short yeah it's that really cool um like moving like moving still picture almost type of animation yeah, yeah. yeah. which guild wars is a very unique style in guild wars and is very cool so yeah so yeah so that spits you out into bloodstone fen which has now had the ground completely shattered and splintered and there's a bunch of floating floating rocks everywhere kind of reminds me of fractals in a lot of ways like these floating islands that are sort of magically suspended um and there's all sorts of crazy updrafts and ley lines and crazy circular distortions in the air which i'm gonna ask did you try and fly through those the first time you saw them yes because <clears throat> i, I totally like did rings I went all like Star Fox and I was like, I know how to play this. And I tried to fly through the rings because then I get a bonus and I was incorrect. And also I was wrong again. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that is exactly what I did. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to fly through these. <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah. But I, which which is funny. They they really do look like checkpoints that you should fly through. But uh yeah, so it's it's a pretty cool map to fly around. It's very chaotic looking, and there's like a weird force field around the map. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very yeah. cool. Were you gonna um, say something? It's sort of a yeah. I was trying to think of how to phrase what I wanted to say about it. It's sort of a very interesting way of having a zone border. Yeah. Um, it, on one hand makes bloodstone fen seem very isolated actually i really want to talk about that remind me to come back to that okay um but uh on the other hand fits in very well like it doesn't it doesn't look jarring as a zone border like it looks uh it looks almost i don't want to say natural <laughs> because nothing about that zone looks natural but uh it fits very well yeah yeah now is is almora's ship like trapped there is that am i remembering that correctly like you can't like in theory you're not supposed to be able to um, leave story-wise i believe they're repairing the damage on the airship it's still like it seems like it's flying <laughs> so i'm not sure why they can't go anywhere uh other, well, other than like, what i mean is like is out. what i mean is like is the force field actually there like oh. sort of in lore um i don't know the answer to that no like it wouldn't super surprise me if it if it were like if yeah, if this if you're sort of like trapped in this crazy like magical ring of tomfoolery but anyway um yeah so do we 
Okay, so what was the thing you wanted to come back to? See, I've already forgotten, but I reminded remembered to remind oh, you to come back to uh, it. Bloodstone Fen being isolated, and maybe I don't know. I guess I'll talk about it now um, because we're talking about the map. So Bloodstone Fen doesn't have an entrance portal. Mm-hmm. Um, the you the only way you can get in is through the story. Um, once you're in, you can buy an item for a relatively small amount of map currency that lets you transport any of your level eighty alts there. Um, here's where things get a little bit weird. Because you can only enter through the story for the first time, theoretically, the only people who can access this map are people who own episode one of Living Story 3. So, it just falls in a sort of gray area. I mean, just, I don't... It's I hadn't very even thought strange. about that. Yeah, like, it's not going to be an issue yet, right? Because everyone who owns a Heart of Thorns, who logs in right now will have access to this map for free. In a couple weeks from now, or whenever um, episode two comes out, episode one stops being free, theoretically, you will now have to pay to access this map. A small amount of money, but pay nonetheless. So it's a map that comes with Living Story 3, episode one, maybe episode two. We don't know if there's going to be another new map or whether you'll be able to access it, you know, if you don't have episode one. Um... And if you just own a Heart of Thorns, but you don't have Living Story 3, and, you know, the the month or whatever has elapsed, then where does this map sort of fit in? And I don't I don't feel like ArenaNet's, like, money-grabbing with this, and I don't necessarily feel like if, like if you, um, if it was any other game, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say Destiny, or, like, I'm trying to think of a game that I would, because I haven't played Destiny, but, like, uh, if you have a game and they say, here's some DLC, here's a couple extra story missions and a small map to go with it, and you wouldn't think twice about paying for it. But because it's an MMO, and because Guild Wars has never done anything like this before, it's a little bit weird to me. And I don't necessarily feel like ArenaNet's being money grabby like by trying to do this. It's just weird, and they haven't said anything about it. Um, not that I don't think anyone's really asked about it yet. It just sort of strikes me as strange right now. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. It's, I mean, when when you talk about other MMOs, it's just in the first place, really, MMOs don't add new maps unless it's part of an expansion or <clears throat> they add raids. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, raids are not living story content. They are included with Heart of Thorns just in the first place. So those will track just like normal MMOs when they come out with a new raid. Like, if you have the latest game, you can play the newest raids. So, yeah, I mean, in, you know, in Destiny, they had multiple, like, small DLC, small or not small, DLC expansions. And, you know, you the fact that Guild Wars gives it to you free if you log in over a generous period of time itself is already um, strange, or at least not standard in gaming slash mmo space so mm-hmm. it's not really that yeah i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised if some people get upset about it but i don't think that they really have much of a leg to stand on <laughs> yeah especially for how cheap the story episodes are so yeah it's but, th- but that is something i hadn't even thought about it could be that you know i mean if people really make a stink about it they could always make it so that everybody has access to the first two parts of season three which are what gets you there and then it basically just like dead ends there and says if you want to know what happens once you get to this crazy <laughs> map tune in just you know um yeah i mean that's that's sort of a hacky way they could get around it or whatever but 
yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure where it stands right now. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I mean, we have no idea how long the window is either, which is mm-hmm. in itself uh, interesting because it could go all the way to the next quarterly update. So that would be, you know, three months potentially. Um, or it could be, you know, a month or a couple weeks or, yeah, I mean, we don't know. It, we sort of talked about this a couple episodes that it's there there really never is precedent in living or in in guild wars for what the timeline is going to be beyond you know sort of what the current iteration is they they keep sort of changing their release schedule and their guidelines and all that stuff uh each each year so there's really no way to predict that but um yeah so do you want to at this point do you want to talk about the continuation of the story or do you want to talk about some of the map stuff like the meta events and the new mastery and the items slash um <clears throat> gliding skills and all that stuff uh let's talk about the map because the story sort of continues with you exploring the map and just sort of checking out all these things so that's we true as well just talk about the meta events and things yeah, so <clears throat> there's sort of two big events that happen on the map. There is um, cleansing the ghosts and then fighting uh, Jessicar Hablion, which is or the ghost of, uh, which is a great Guild Wars one callback because he was kind of a big deal in the Guild Wars one Crichton story arc, and that was pretty much this whole episode seeing references to Guild Wars one or seeing specific enemies from Guild Wars one felt really cool to me. Um, so yeah, if you don't remember in Guild Wars, or, or you never knew in the first place, in Guild Wars 1, when you flee Ascalon and get past the Shiver Peaks, you come into Krita, and you are welcomed by, uh, this dude in big sort of paladin-y armor named Jessicar Hablion, and he is leading these other awesome-looking knight dudes and fighting a bunch of undead. And these night dudes are the White Mantle, who by now you should know are the bad guys, but your characters didn't know that in Guild Wars 1. Mm-hmm. And he is... Uh, I don't know that he's exactly the leader of the White Mantle, but he's like a kind of kind of a big deal, if that, I guess. I don't remember his exact position. Um, but anyway, and then ultimately, don't you kill him in like on this map in Bloodstone Fen in Guild yes. Wars 1? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was awesome uh, to see his ghost and fight him. Like that was actually one of the first things I saw when I mapped in the first time was that event was going on, and I just I did a literal like, oh holy crap! I need to go do that. I need to find it, and then yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find it before it ended. Um, but <laughs> I found it later and did it uh, the second time I saw it, and uh, yeah, that was that was really fun. Um, and then the other one is fighting a bunch of jade armors that are getting summoned by these giant bloodstone stalagmites and then uh (laughs) at the bottom you basically fight the veil guardian and i got like raid triggered (laughs) because (laughs) i'm so sick of veil guardian and uh yeah i it was it was it was fine because there's like a million people and it was not hard Uh, but it's like as soon as i got down there i was like no 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 (laughs) no no (laughs) 
Um, I was like that too, but it's because whoever was tanking it, and I, I believe even the open world version has a toughness tank, so whoever has the highest toughness uh, is uh, kiting him around uh, with wild abandon. Yeah, well, they probably didn't know what they were doing. Really hard. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think people are getting more used to it now. I've done it a couple times since with the first day. Oof. Yeah. Um, well, I actually thought it was really cool, though, like integrating that raid boss into this map like having a direct connection to you know ha- having that tie in what the white mantle have been doing and working on and magicking and mm-hmm. and all that like sort of contr- like expanding in the story but also sort of contracting in the sense of this is where they came from in the first place um yeah pretty pretty cool stuff um yeah, I don't know. Uh, is, is there anything you want to talk about with the map? Uh, it's cool that you can fly around to pick up all the little orbs, but it's really annoying that you have to get farther in your story before picking them up works. I mean, you only have to do it once across your whole account, but because I had to play in the map before I could finish that story, I had a bunch of stuff go to waste, and that was a little bit irritating. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um along a similar vein this chapter introduces skills that you can use while gliding but only in this yes. map um i'm so sad only the sad that we can only use them in this map or yeah something else yeah because i want to use them elsewhere now it would yeah. break everything but i want to use them other places yeah it's true um but i wanted to comment that uh, do you find it weird that it's for a map currency and not a mastery point Kind of. Um, I think... I'm not sure if it's sort of like a limitation of the system where, you know, if they made it for masteries that they'd have to make it available in every map because they can't limit masteries just to a specific map. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know, you know, if it's because they felt that um, there's already significant pressure on masteries as it is, where people are oftentimes complaining about not being able to get enough mastery points for whatever reason, um, if they didn't want to add sort of more pressure on those people to choose abilities. Um, You know, I'm not really sure the reasoning behind it. I didn't really have a problem with it. It took me maybe two or three days to get it unlocked. I played for like an hour each evening in Bloodstone Fen. Mm -hmm. Now that that we're talking about it, actually, because I was going to bring up the whether it was because they wanted it to be limited to a certain map... Um, that actually kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. It's probably because they don't want masteries to be tied to living story progression. Like you, like if you don't have this chapter, you can't train that mastery. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think they just probably don't want to go down that road, especially because what if they add some other gliding mastery in the future? Um, like how would that work? Would it be its own mastery line or would it be tacked on to the existing gliding line or would it be, yeah, I, I think they just probably didn't want to open up that whole can of worms. And since it is something that's only in that one map, I think that makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. like you said, it, it doesn't really bother me either. Uh, just because like you said, it just doesn't take that long to unlock them all. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. On the note of... Uh, on the, on the topic of the skills, have you noticed the achievement for using skill five into a ley line? Yes, <laughs> many times over again. So I'm like, oh yeah, I can just boost myself, and then I'll go into a ley line, and then I won't have to. Yeah, I 
uh, often mess that up. I'm getting better That's at it now funny. that I've died a few times to it, but I just, I think of it as a boost, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to boost myself into the ley line, and then I die. I think it's, I, that's really funny, actually. I've only died to that once, even though I, like, that time was an accident, but I, I just, uh, for some reason, that's not that hard for me to remember, but I do think it's really funny to have, <laughs> to have that achievement. It's kind of weird, but, like, in sort of a Guild Wars-y sense of humor, I feel like, and the achievement name is fantastic, which is mm-hmm. Don't Cross the Streams. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite cool. Did you hear the story behind it? I did not. Um... I think, I forget where I heard this now. I feel like it was on a guild chat or something, but I didn't watch guild chat, so I don't think it was that. I don't know where I heard it. Uh, But apparently, um, there was sort of a problem where they made it so, or like if you used a ley line into another ley line, it would launch you like into the ceiling of the map. So the simplest way to fix it was to to sort of kill your player (laughs) when you hit the stream. (laughs) And so they just put an achievement for it and they were like, hey, totally good yeah just just don't do that yeah that's really funny i'm pretty sure Uh, ruby was tweeting about it having or having been blown into the ceiling multiple times oh i think i remember seeing those tweets but i didn't really have a good context for it like i didn't know what she was talking about that's funny um also i really actually like using those aerial skills against the unbound guardian the the boss at the end of the meta event because there's uh, they actually do quite a good amount of damage, especially if you're a primarily melee character. And there's two updrafts that you can use to just uh, stay permanently in the air while you're bombarding him from above. Um, so I don't know if that's actually good, but that's my easy way to do the meta event pro tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have you collected all of the journals? Ah, no, yes, I have. I was just going to ask you about that. Um, yes, I did. I was able to find most of them on my own. I think I have one page left for each one when I finally turned to Delphi, which was cool because I got to discover a whole lot of stuff, um, you know, on my own without feeling like I had to consult a guide for it. Mm-hmm. Um, much and then easier a- than the coins, for example. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, encourage you to explore around the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah so I put I put all of them together and then I sat down and I read all of the journals in order uh which was quite cool to get um it sort of gives the perspective of things from the beginning of Guild Wars 2 4 years ago up until now uh what the white mantle have been doing from three different perspectives of three different people in different ranks in the white mantle mm-hmm. uh so you get the perspective of sort of a a researcher apprentice who um Got flunted. Yes, yeah, she very much so. Uh, a higher up who was pushing the limits of sort of the bloodstone and the magical properties of it, and then there's also a higher up who uh, was much more about brute force and military might and the applications of it. And it, it's got a really cool introduction to. Uh, if you haven't raided, it talks about the backstory of Matthias and Zira, and actually, you know, having raided, I didn't know any of that stuff. It's not like we learned that in raids, so uh, we got some extra backstory on Matthias, which is very cool. Um, he was being turned into a bloodstone weapon uh, by these people. He was actually sort of tricked into it um, because he was holding Inquisitions, I think, in uh, not just Justicar uh, Bauer, Bauer's ranks. 
uh, and he didn't like that. So he convinced Matthias that, you know, the most, uh, the thing to do to please the unseen ones would be to infuse yourself with bloodstone and then you'll become super powerful and either you'll die or I can make you into a weapon and you can die killing other people, basically, uh, which is very cool because, um, you know, now knowing that, the the moment at which you find him in the raids is he's in, trying to infuse people and infuse himself with these bloodstone shards. So it's very cool to have that sort of context behind uh, what yours what I have seen. I guess. Yeah, um, I love that the achievement for getting all three of them is called a conspiracy of dunces. <laughs> I did not notice that, but that's very cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at least I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, also, as a reward, in addition to getting uh, you know, completed journals that you can read the lore at your leisure, you also get another way of consuming the, um, let's see, what is it? The, the Ascended Materials, it is Dragonite and Bloodstone. So that is yet another uh, inventory cleaner sort of type thing. Uh, something to do with all this Bloodstone that we're getting, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I thought that was a fun um, Easter egg hunt, so to speak, to to find those. I found all but one on my own, and I finally looked it up, and it was like hidden in a weird crevice that I had flown past, but just didn't have the right angle on for it to show with my holding control down. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that, and also, so I don't I don't know for certain what exactly the bauer reference is to it could be just the fact that they have somebody working at arena net named uh tears of bauer which it probably possibly is in reference to but it also i hope at least that they were thinking of this uh could be referencing in guild wars one in the warren Kreider, the inquisitor bauer who was a parody of jack bauer from 24 mm-hmm. uh so it could just be like a double pun where it's referencing a designer and a <laughs> and 24 but yeah i i got a kick out of the fact that that was some of the um you know that the journals belong to a bower so to speak mm-hmm. either a descendant or or otherwise uh speaking of parallels to the war in Krita, did you notice that a lot of the white mantle enemies in that zone are using player skills I did notice that. Also, yeah. the Mesmers, in typical Mesmer fashion, are super effing annoying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, there's so many. Everything is Mesmers right now. Anise is a Mesmer. Jenna's a Mesmer. Uh, Kodakus's buddy is a Mesmer. Uh, you know, the Mesmers in the zone are Mesmers. Zero is a Mesmer. Everything is Mesmers right now. The Mesmers are Mesmers. <laughs> <laughs> and it is accordingly frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> there there are a lot um yeah I, I i love that achievement i the as soon as i started picking up unbound magics and seeing that i was getting a bunch of bloodstone i was just like there, there better effing be a way to get rid of bloodstone again because oh my god um so i'm, I'm glad that they gave us another another way to do that mm-hmm. uh, have you been having problems speaking of map events um i find those defeat the white mantle cleric events to be almost impossible to do in the timeline like in the time the first Um, time check yeah it depends i i have successfully completed it twice i think and i've failed probably three times more than that Mm -hmm. um 
it really is dependent upon you having a group of people who know to CC um, the seekers, and mm-hmm. also that uh, to some extent it is scaled properly. And by that I mean, you know, the number of people there that know to CC um, are enough compared to the number of people there that don't know to CC because the game just it scales up the break bar. Uh, without regard to the number of people who are there not really doing anything useful. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of a crapshoot, <laughs> to be honest. It yeah. just depends how many people there know what's going on versus how many don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually also, though, have found the... I found it really actually frustrating to try and use the unstable bloodstone shards like i don't know if it's just me but i swear to god 80 percent of the time they vanish in my like they vanish as soon as i pick them up and i just get stuck in this really frustrating loop of like trying to pick one up and then it vanishing while i'm picking up and like doing the pickup animation have you had that problem at all uh no i see it must just be me then um yeah because they because they disappear really fast right and which is sort of the point because they're unstable but yeah i've I've had some I've had some frustration with that where it's just like I feel like I'm fighting with fighting with timers more than like actually doing it and so I've kind of just given up on on like picking them up and throwing them at things which seems like a real shame but mm-hmm. that's you know anyway I guess that maybe that's just me hopefully other people aren't experiencing it cuz it is pretty frustrating um also minor frustration blood rubies are not a material so if you are playing <laughs> this map on multiple characters um yeah but whatever that's that's minor at least the unbound magic is a material oh also now that i'm thinking about it there because there's a was it ten thousand unbound magic item to get a um bloodstone mining node in your home instance which Mm -hmm. a is really cool that they have that as an in-game reward not a gem store reward but b i was reading that every hit of it gives you a blood ruby which is really cool because you can use those to get ascended uh accessories that can have all of the sat types which is really nice if you want ascended vipers trinkets because yep. I don't have those. And not only that, but if at some point you decide that, you know, you have these trinkets, uh, but you got vipers on them and you didn't really want vipers because you're not playing your necker anymore, you kind of want to play your chronomancer, so you want commander's trinkets, you can buy another item for 100 uh, unbound magic, which is a pittance, and reset the stats on those items. 30 seconds of yeah. logging in just from jumping off of the ship. <laughs> So it's they are uh, definitely an investment. It's not something you're going to get overnight. But at the same time, once you have them, they will be of use to you for a very long time. Yeah, very cool reward. I'm actually super happy with that. Like, uh, yeah, just I'm just really happy. I'm I'm I love both that they are actually functional and that they have all of the stat types, and also really happy that they have the stat swapper instead of, you know being sort of frustratingly stuck what they are like the other ascended trinkets are mm-hmm. um oh there's something else i wanted to say since we'd gotten on the topic the back piece I'm... skin is ludicrous uh which back piece skin the bloodstone one 
which one? Maybe I'm not aware of it. It's like a bloodstone hedgehog. Really? Is it Gemstore or is it? No, no, no. It's um, it's from the zone. It's the same as those trinkets, um, but it's a back piece and it has a skin, which is like five uh, bloodstone crystals, sort of going down your back in a spine, like Stegosaurus style. But that's really creepy. Yeah, it's weird. Do you know which NPC gives them to you? Because I didn't notice it, but maybe I just overlooked uh, it's it. It's the same one that has the accessories. Um, oh, just right, 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 because it's an ascended back piece. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. I hadn't thought to preview it because you can't preview the other things in that window. So I, it just like completely... I remember being happy that you could get an ascended back piece from that and not have to go through getting Madri uh, or the Fractal one, and I had completely neglected to look at it. So, okay, that's cool. Um, cool cool and weird. Um, right, but I just remembered what I was going to say uh, was, did you get the diving achievement? Yes, that one was a lot of fun. I Yeah, I found that, um, like... So I found the goggles while exploring, and I loved the breadcrumb that they put there of the Unbound Magic, um, because a lot of those jump-off achievements are actually super frustrating and annoying, because they're like, you fall and you- at least in this one you can teleport up there, so it's not that big of a deal, but you know, you have these long falls and then you <laughs> fall to your death and then you have to do it all over again. And I I just loved the the little breadcrumb trail of the Unbound Magic on your way down to the point where you get mm -hmm. the achievement. Um, yeah, that was just extremely well done. I thought that was really cute. And also the oh. fact that uh, you didn't have to go up to the top over and over again to throw yourself off over and over again because it would portal you back to the top. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. After, after having suffered through the one in the Aether Blade ship and whatnot uh that was a fun and carefree dive down the center of the map uh oh wow i just looked at that back piece that's sure weird i bet that'd look great on my mesmer man now i kind of want bloodstone armor that'd be crazy cool legendary armor question mark no don't make me raid for bloodstone armor <laughs> Nah, I'd be down for that being normal armor. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. I also wonder if, you know, I feel like it probably will be if if we will have a different currency for the next map, assuming that we get more maps. Uh, I kind of feel like we will, though, having Silver Waste and Dry Top both have had, having had different currencies. It's mm -hmm. kind of a weird sentence to say. but Yeah, actually, uh, Wooden Potatoes pointed out that in the, the panel where you um, you know, look at currencies. Uh, mm -hmm. Unbound Magic actually says earned in various ways at locations heavily affected by magic. So it doesn't say Bloodstone Fen specifically, but it could also be applied to other places. So it'll be, mm. you know, intriguing to see if that uh, propagates to other areas. Yeah, and it would be interesting too if if they do that, if your glider skills will carry over to other Unbound Magic areas. I would kind of think that they would, because that's sort of the whole idea, is like you're using this unstable magic, and so if it spreads to other maps, or we find other maps with it, that you would you know, keep these skills, but who knows. Also, I wanted to say that I haven't checked the markets, but 
I really like that they've introduced more ways to get cloth, it seems like, from drops um, with items that salvage into it. Mm -hmm. I've just been noticing I've been getting a lot of linen and things since this update, so pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I've been cycling all my Ascended mats into various legendaries at the moment, so it, uh, everything has been absorbed into uh, Chukin Chumbawamba, which I am affectionately calling my half-made shortbow currently. <laughs> yeah, uh, so how's that, how's that coming? I actually, it's actually quite fun. Um, the material sink at first wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and then it sort of caught up later. Um, but it was spread out much more evenly throughout the entire collection, which made it feel not nearly as bad. Um, and it was sort of enjoyable, the things I was doing, where uh, I have now gotten to the point where I am raising these tiger cubs, and uh, I had to find a home for them. And once I had a home for them, I had to research uh, what to feed them and what to give them to keep them entertained. So I had to make a, a you know a leather ball and a sleeping pole and a scratching post and a gym for them to play with. And these things are actually now showing up in my instance uh, where these three tiger cubs are. And I can I have an item that transports me there immediately. Um, they all come to me when I whistle for them, which is super cute. And more importantly, for the next part of the collection, uh, I can take them out and put them on my back. And I actually have to take them around Tyria and teach them different things. Like I, I had to do a bunch of world bosses to say, you know, avoid dragons, avoid centaurs, avoid these dangerous things. And then I also had to do a couple jumping puzzles with them. I had to take them to Coddler's Cove to teach them how to care for people. And I have to teach them like lessons of friendship. And I had to take them hunting. Very, very cool. Um, and just sort of implemented in a way that no other collection in the game is currently and a lot of fun. And I'll always have this item where I can, you know, put a little tiger cub on my back and have a run around. Also, more importantly for me, uh, those tiger cubs can be used with tonics. So I can turn into a chair and then I'll just have a levitating tiger cub floating in the air. It's fantastic. Um, this is a complete non sequitur, but I've sort of just been idly running around at Bloodstone Fen while we've been talking. Mm -hmm. And the vendor that has the ascended items, I would bet you money that he is standing next to the entrance to the next map that we're going to get because he's standing. They've made this little camp down here and there's this sort of concrete stone wall and on the wall is what appears to be a doorway uh, with a with a white mantle guy on it. And it's even got like the crack or not the crack, but like the um, slit down the center where the door would open. And it's the same as the doors, at least I think, surrounding the Colosseum where Justicar Hableon is mm -hmm. that you go through in the living story. And if you open your map that this building entrance looking thing is at the north end of the map and if you zoom out there is sort of a perfect rectangle spot directly north which happens to be directly west of salvation pass um which just looks like it's perfect for a map so i don't know if that's like if anybody's really uh, talked about that but it sure looks cool 
I sure hope that that's where we're going next. Directly, the what is directly north of the west part of the zone is Stronghold of the Faithful. Oh, is that the wait? What's Stronghold of the Faithful? The third raid wing. Oh, oh, direct. So directly north of that spot. Yeah. Aha! The place I've never been. Okay. Yeah. Although it would be very cool to go there in a story capacity, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we made a visit there. Uh, if we use that door yeah yeah even if we don't it's still cool to have that sort of internal map consistency Mm -hmm. yeah well i was right it does look perfect to have a map there (laughs) yeah Eh? yeah (laughs) okay um i'm kind of feeling like maybe we should just call it here because we're already over an hour and there's still lots of stuff to talk about and we're not gonna come close to finishing talking about this patch Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Unless there was anything else you specifically wanted to talk about this week, uh, no, I think we can. I mean, I, I want to talk a little about a, a little bit about raid balance, but I think it would probably be better to have that wait maybe another week, just because uh, it's been a rough re- week for raiders. Um, there was a game wide bug where uh, enemy positions were desyncing between the client and the game servers, Ooh. and so we had things like teleporting enemies <laughs> in raids. Uh, which made them quite difficult to do this weekend, at least, at the very least, difficult to get a good sense of how the balance changes have affected raids. Uh, yeah, I so bet. <laughs> may give that, give that another week to try some more things out. Although I think uh, there's a couple interesting potential shifts, and I'm hoping to see those come into play more uh, once people have had a longer period of time to check them out. Mm-hmm. Also, we didn't even touch on fractals. Oh my god, fractals! Oh yeah, we need to talk about that next week. Oh my god, fractals are so fun. Yeah, uh, I need a chance to get some time in on them on the new one, but I they've made a lot of cool looking changes, so maybe yeah. we should do a run sometime this weekend or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, make sure if we even if we don't get to run it together, make sure to check out the swamp fractal. Right, uh, cause they cause, changed that majorly. Yeah, bloom hunger. I really like the new bloom hunger. Uh, be wary of doing it at high levels right now, though. <laughs> they've already it said it's really hard. Uh, yeah, basically, they they've said it's going to get some balance changes. Um, but seventy seven swamp is no longer a cakewalk currently. Gotcha. Yeah, man, and we're gonna have to talk about infusions because I'm a little bit salty about that. Oh god. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, it's probably a good time to call it. Um, next week, I guess we can talk about fractals and conclusion of the story and raid balance and that Mm -hmm. all in itself is at least a full episode so alrighty cool well I guess uh, we don't have a cast cast this week nope I am super busy I've got a load of things going on outside a game that I just have not even had time to like release it down this week yeah fair enough Uh, me neither so cool well Thank you for joining me then, and thank you everybody listening, and we will be back next week. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.